welcome back to another episode of Sweet Script Stories. I'm Eric Grubaugh. And I'm Tim Dietrich. And today we have another special guest with us. Adam Partee is the Vice President of Business Development at Maverick Fulfillment. Adam, hey guys. welcome. Thank you. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. All right. So why don't you tell us a little bit about who you are and what you do and how you came to be there? All right. Uh, so right now, uh, as you mentioned, I, I'm the VP of Business Development at Maverick. Uh, Maverick Fulfillment is actually a startup uh, third-party logistics provider with warehousing storage capacity here in the DFW area initially. Uh, and we use NetSuite as the NetSuite WMS as our core WMS product. Uh, we're also building out suite commerce and, uh, and utilizing the marketplace uh, application as well for, for our customers, uh, kind of as the shopping cart. But uh, in terms of my, in terms of my uh, background, I guess I started, uh, I started in logistics right out of college with uh, an internship at Target. And uh, that was about two years, the last two years of college. And then, you know, I was able to work for them a little while longer after I graduated. And uh, it was, uh, it was very challenging. It was a lot of fun, that internship was, and it kind of set me on the path in supply chain and logistics, you know, from there. Uh, I really kind of loved the problem solving and, the, and working with teams to, to really kind of identify, resolve, and then implement a solution, you know. But uh, from there, I, I went right into dedicated transportation with Cardinal Logistics and ran uh, on-site uh, dedicated fleets at Georgia Pacific, Oleochemical, a few other large ones around the country, and then made it back to Texas uh, in time to kind of jump ship on the dedicated transportation and go to warehousing. And warehousing is when I first kind of was introduced to NetSuite. Uh, obviously, it's a very popular uh, CRM ERP and there were, there wasn't WMS at that time, but RF smart was, was kind of the, uh, the go-to if, if you did have NetSuite and through, uh, through my years of using NetSuite in a supply chain manager, operations manager role, uh, implemented RF smart several times. And, you know, it, uh, it kind of, it kind of appeared obvious as NetSuite continued to evolve over, you know, the last couple of years. They really wanted to to bring a lot of the functionality in house, um, which which I loved, and I was really anxious to work with a few a few people that they have uh, in their consulting lineup uh, to to kind of walk through the you know the process steps and the functionality of the WMS itself, its mobile capability, how it'll handle things like unit of measure for omni-channel uh, providers such as such as Maverick. And uh, it's really been a it's been a great uh, a great transition for our company and and just to to kind of get to build this with with the NetSuite team has been a lot of fun. Awesome. All right. Yeah. It seems like there's a lot. I see WMS a lot. WMS and manufacturing, I think, are two seem to be two huge areas of of investment. So yep. sounds like you're in a good spot right now. Yeah, we sure hope to uh, stay that way as well. <laughs> so Adam, what are your thoughts on NetSuite's WMS? Uh, I actually think it's, it's pretty robust. Um, it is rather, 
rather tedious to to set up initially, right? I've done two so far since the release, and uh, two two implementations with clients actually, and you know it's it's a very very uh, what's the word I'm looking for? It's it's literally step by step. You you cannot deviate from how how they kind of have the map the roadmap set up to to set up the mobile access, uh, configure your user roles, go in and create each record type. And, uh, you know, it, um, it takes a little time, but honestly, once the, once all of that setup is complete and then you start configuring business rules, setting up wave picking and directed put away, it's, uh, it's a very functional WMS in terms of the, the top tiers that, that I've used in the past. That's good feedback. Thank you. So hey, I if, want to be thorough for you guys. <laughs> before the interview, you mentioned um, that you had a lot of stories about different NetSuite implementations that you were involved in, and I, I think you were uh, kind of hinting at you know some good and some bad experiences there. Um, what were you thinking when you mentioned that, Timmy? Or were you like, are there some war stories that you have, horror stories, positive stories, hopefully? <laughs> And I've got I've got the good, the bad, and the very ugly, you know, over <laughs> over the years. But that's that's how we learn, right? And uh, I mean, I was a headstrong twenty-four year old trying to manage some a lot of older, you know, more experienced warehouse workers. There were some interesting dynamics, I can tell you. But um, over the years, I guess the the real thing, well, and what I've noticed, you know, most recently in the last two years with clients and, and companies that I've worked with to support, you know, implementation and utilization of NetSuite across the organization is, is a dreaded kind of over customization, actually, you know, you guys are, you guys are the, uh, you know, the script, the script experts, you know, you can come in and you can write a script for, for almost any process, right. Um, but there may be native functionality already existing you know that NetSuite is capable of, of handling you know whatever whether it be uh, returns management or allocation of inventory uh, sales order item fulfillment I've, I've seen it in several different areas and you can literally kind of script yourself into a wall or a corner I'm sorry uh, as far as the, an organization goes and that's uh, I guess that's what my first thought was when I uh, you know when I kind of mentioned that yeah, I think that's a, a great topic. I, <laughs> yes, we, we can write a script for just about anything you would want to do, it, but often it's more important to know when you should or should not write a script. Um, Absolutely. There's just... So when you're working with a client, how do you help them walk that line between... So I, I agree with you. There's this like tendency to over customize, and and you you bring someone onto Netsuite, and their immediate thing is that they want to do things the way they always have been, just in Netsuite. And so they want to they want to just reshape Netsuite to fit the way they've always done things, rather than adjusting the business to work with Netsuite. Um, you know, how do you walk, how, oh, excuse me, how do you help them walk that line um, between, you know, adapting NetSuite versus adapting the business? So that's, that's a great question. And really what I try to do is number one, 
break down uh, into its simplest form the specific process that we're going to look at, right? And and then we you know we look at the actual process and then and then the technology or the systemic process uh, that has either you know been been occurred in the past or with the old system or is currently you know how it's utilized in NetSuite and you know you have to you have to kind of do a comparison of the two obviously make sure that they align and and there is typically uh, more capability in NetSuite natively. Uh, then, then the clients understand. You know, they they want immediately. You know, the kind of the instant gratification, that automation to be there, present. You know, jump from status to status as I need it to. You know, I'm talking maybe in terms of like a pick, pack, ship. Uh, you know, integration. You know, that's been sending an ASN and all that good stuff. Um, you know, they want that that seamless kind of interaction you know, quickly, but obviously there's a lot of different uh, configuration and setup of certain records that, that needs to take place. You know, you may have to turn some features on, uh, others off and, and set up set up the rules in order for it to, to automate correctly, but NetSuite can handle it. It's just making sure that your operational process aligns with that well. Yeah, I think that's a good point. One of the things that I think appeals to businesses that are considering NetSuite is the fact that it is so easily customizable and relatively safe to do so. I think much much more so than other ERP systems. So that's one thing that, that NetSuite has going for it. But I think at the same time, that does encourage uh, companies that are implementing NetSuite to just go down that path of what will just customize everything. And I think where I've seen the, the, most, um, the most likely place that it makes sense to do that is where that customization is somehow gonna support something that makes that business unique. You know, something that maybe is a value add for them that it truly isn't something that is built into NetSuite or maybe they do it a little bit differently and in, to the point that it does need to be customized. Mm-hmm. So in those cases, there's a business argument for it, but I don't think a good business argument is always, well, that's how we've always done it. So now we need to continue to do it that way in NetSuite. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at too. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. And you know, a lot of it is, is building the capability natively as best you can to fit the process and then once you've kind of taken it as far as you can, then you look at, okay, where are our gaps at, you know, and those gaps are typically where you may need a developer to come in and, and you know, write the bridge basically. But uh, at that point, you've, you've identified them with such clarity that, that you know, a, someone that is, you know, fairly competent in, in sweet script, they can come in and quickly, you know, bridge those gaps, if that makes sense. Yeah, it does. Are there, what are the, or yeah, are there consistent gaps that you find with your clients? You know, is there some place where NetSuite consistently falls short? Absolutely. Uh, cycle counting and inventory management is is one area. And, and specifically, I'm referring to uh, your count rules, your classification of items. Uh, you can only assign three classes three classes of items. And I mean, you talk about, you know, the omni-channel uh, product 
folks that we that we are witnessing this you know explosive growth of through this digital transformation you know there are there are a lot of different classes <laughs> you know and um you you can only you know it's somewhat regimented in how you can allocate the inventory uh and that is where every business kind of gets unique you know every i've seen clients you know who want to manage their inventory through allocation which i don't recommend by the way and uh and then some you know that that open everything up to being allocated through any any sales channel you know uh, others want to manage by unit of measure so you literally purchase into inventory based on you know that you're going to sell to but you know next week and, and i think they're going to evolve i think they're going to continue to update uh the current wms environment to to reflect these needs but uh those those are two two primary areas uh and then the uh supplier management as well is one piece I, i've had to had to integrate with several third-party applications and kind of the kind of the RFP uh, purchasing role, you know, that actually will, will forward out, you know, bids on on anything from electronics to, you know, whatever your your product is. And then, you know, getting the response from your suppliers and comparing those bids uh, and selecting, you know, selecting one for the contract, sending them that contract, the automated document for them to sign and then, you know, cutting a PO. That's uh, That's definitely a big one. And so when you find those gaps, does, does Maverick, do you have a team of developers? Do you partner with developers? How do you, you know, how do you, how do you get that worked? How do you fill those gaps? <laughs> yeah, well, um, no, that's, that's what we have, you know, Freddie Gans for our CTO. He's, he's got the network and the know-how, you know, typically to, to quickly jump on top of those type, uh, you know, those type issues you know or challenges that that we may encounter you know onboarding a client but you know i i try and do my my part of the job as a as a salesman but i like to call myself an operations guy that is now in sales because there's a difference <laughs> so you know in my discovery with these clients in the pre-sales i i really try and walk through you know not just the services that that you know we're going to provide for them but you know what makes them unique in each of those those aspects you know uh because every every customer or client has you know has that that one niche uh throughout throughout their process maybe that that they like to throw in there whether you know it be an insert or you know having flash sales or whatever whatever it could be and those um wherever we we i have identified those those weaknesses you know primarily we're actually going to have a, a suite app that Freddie's working on now that, you know, you can install and it will, it will kind of, it's a bundle that, that can be, uh, that can be released into their environment to kind of fill uh, whatever that need is, you know. Does that make sense guys? Yeah, absolutely. Is, uh, I was okay. just going to ask is, uh, is that, is Freddie building that on his own? Is there a team behind him? How's that getting created? Yes, uh, so there is a team behind him. Uh, the guys at Limebox, uh, they're they're a NetSuite partner that uh, you know has has years of you know developing and and you know functional experience with implementing new customers onto NetSuite. Uh, they've got a great 
a great developer there. And then uh, kind of the techno-functional role played out in, in a few different um, of the modules, I guess. So they've got, you know, they've got an expert in each that you may need, WMS, manufacturing, CRM, that good stuff. Um, and then obviously he's got, he's got several other resources that we used uh, at Titus. So he's, uh, he's got a pretty good network. relationships yeah, back to our soft say, skills right i was gonna say it really seems like that is extremely important for you guys you know it's i think you've got a relatively small team at maverick right it's not a lot of you there is that right yeah it is uh three of us right now so okay. yeah yeah so your but network is you <laughs> right so your network becomes that much more important especially with what you're trying to do Absolutely. what do you think the the biggest challenge is that either you're facing or that Maverick as a company is facing with NetSuite, is it mostly around the gaps and like the, the fact that WMS is relatively new or like, what, how would you describe like the biggest thing that you're running into these days? That that's definitely number one, I would say is that the WMS is it's new. <laughs> it's very new. And uh, you know, a lot of, a lot of the clients, even if they are using NetSuite, which, our, our very first client that we brought on, um, they, you know, they're a NetSuite user and it's, you know, a lot of them, you know, they're not using the WMS. They're not using, you know, bin management. They're not using certain uh, aspects of it that we will need to have, you know, turned on, set up, and then, you know, integrated with in order to, you know, in order to really keep the two, uh, the two systems, you know, in balance. So there's, there's a, a serious, you know, as opposed to like, you know, a Manhattan WMS and, you know, someone has NetSuite, that integration is fairly, fairly straightforward. You map up the fields and then you pull, you know, you start to, to sync data and, um, you know, through whatever transmission line you would like, but when it's NetSuite to NetSuite, it can, we're finding that it can be a little more complicated than maybe we, we uh, thought it initially, you know. Yeah, it's interesting that you're writing into that because you would think it would be the total opposite, right? <laughs> yeah, but there's there's a surprisingly small uh, amount of, you know, of companies like us, you know, that, that are using NetSuite as their, you know, as their WMS sop software to manage multiple contract uh, customers, you know. So it's, there's there hasn't been a whole lot of, feedback provided in that suite, but believe me, they, they are, Freddie's in their ear and they're listening. <laughs> they're, they're actually very, yep. So I'm curious as, um, as you kind of go through that, that feedback and these iterations with different clients and, and using the WMS, have you found, like, I, I sort of asked this question already, but if you had advice for say the developers out here that are looking at or or getting into or just got thrown onto a WMS project, what should mm -hmm. they be looking at before they just start writing code? Um, where can they go to learn more about the WMS? Absolutely. Um, so I can answer this one somewhat with clarity because I spent two weeks working with the Linebox guys and Freddie trying to trying to get them to kind of <clears throat> to understand certain concepts within the WMS that, that you, know, you 
to immediately that, you know, you guys as developers are not kind of not used to working with, right? Units of measure is a big one. And UPC, like UPC code management um, within NetSuite, you have to use item aliases in order to, in order to create new items within the same, or new, like new units of measure within the same item, if that makes any sense. And there's, there is definitely some improvement that, that needed, that needs to occur there. But, you know, most of, you know, the, our team, they had trouble understanding how to apply units of measure uh, within, within this type of environment. And then also uh, managing multiple uh, clients within the same instance of WMS, right? Uh, how do you how do you go about doing that without them kind of commingling uh, in the system is is was one of the first challenges that we encountered, right? And I guess they they kind of went to a they decided on using uh, segments to you know to to divide the customers or to segregate them. I'm sorry. And there's uh, you know there's some there's some kind of makeshift solutions in place, but there's certainly uh, there's certainly plenty of plenty of work to be done. The mobile access piece as well is uh, is pretty tedious, and I know could be streamlined. So, when you talk about the issues with units of measure, are you talking about like a product that is sold in multiple units of measure, like a carton of say 24? You might sell the product as a carton, but you also might break a carton and sell individual units. Is that what you're referring to? Yes, sir. So you, you'd have, you know, each is inner, inner, inner cartons, master cartons, and then obviously a pallet. And each of those is a sales channel for the typical omni-channel customer, right? You've got your e-com or, or web sales. You've got, you know, your big box retailers that are taking the pallets. And then you have wholesale or, or as I like to call it, the mom and pop uh, channel you know, that, that does still exist. And, you know, they're typically taking cases, which are the master cases. And you've got to, you know, you've got to create a UPC code for each of those units of measure, but it's also the same item, right? Right. Yeah, at the end of the day, it's still inventory. It's still the same item. It's just basically packed differently or, and sold differently. Yep. And you can you can assign a purchasing unit, or a purchase unit, a sales unit, a stock unit. So you know you can actually, if I want to see all of my inventory in eaches, which typically I do, unless it's absolutely 100% a pallet in, pallet out customer, you know that type of setup. Um, you know you it will convert you know the total case quantity, which is what they purchase in, you know to eaches, which is what we'll end up receiving it in, and then you know we will sell it. Through you know through various means, so whenever we go to pick, based on the channel, it's going to you know give our pickers, hey, you're, you're going to get two cases, you're going to get 24 pieces, that kind of thing. Right, and you mentioned the commingling issue as well. You you guys are essentially managing inventory for multiple customers, so in a sense, I guess every item is really, I don't want to say allocated because that's not the right word, but ownership of it belongs to potentially multiple customers in your system. You don't actually own the inventory yourself. So 
that's an interesting challenge. How, how have you managed that? I know you said that you had looked at segments, but did you just you just sort of put something together that was custom to handle that? So I've got to tell you, I'm not I'm not the expert in in the setup of this piece. I kind of had to step back and you know when they started speaking in Spanish, but um, <laughs> <laughs> you know it from what Freddie from what Freddie described to me. There we're going to assign each each client. Uh, a segment, right? And that will identify them individually. So all of their inventory will be tied to to that segment, I guess. Yeah. Which I'm still not really clear what segment is, but or if it's just kind of a, if it's a record itself. But to make it a little easier as well, we also within the warehouse physically have aisles assigned to each client. Uh, we don't physically co-mingle the inventory. So that also makes it a little easier because then we can assign a set of bins or a range of bins to a specific client. Yeah, I would imagine that helps quite a bit. Absolutely. <laughs> if you're a developer out there in the audience and you're hearing units of measure and item aliases and UPC codes, like, hey, they're not talking about code or tools or IDEs. It is so important if you are going to write code for a business to understand the business behind it. You need to, if you are writing WMS software, you better know what the warehouse floor workers are doing and why they want things the way they do or so that you can build something to improve. Uh, So (laughs) if you're wondering why we're not talking about tools or a, a module, that's why. Absolutely. And, and it seems, you know, the trend is going to continue toward that kind of streamlining of those responsibilities. I mean, I've, I've been able to keep a job for the last five to seven years because that was, that role was very important. Someone that could translate, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, it seems like, you know, the more, the more developers take that, that hands-on role and really try and, and, help the, you know, the client or, or their, you know, their consulting customer, you know, as, as best they can in full capacity, you know, they'll, they'll really have to start to understand those concepts and how to apply them. Well, Eric and I have talked about that in previous episodes where, you know, if you specialize in a certain area of NetSuite as a developer, you know, there's, potentially a real benefit for you and for your customers. And it seems like this is one of those, you know, if you're a developer who really understands the inner workings of NetSuite's WMS and on a bigger scale, just what's involved in managing a warehouse. And I think, you know, Adam, with what you guys are doing, where you're a third-party logistics company, you're sort of the the even more complicated warehouse situation. If, if you have a developer yeah. that understands all that, then that, that's a diamond in the rough right now. Oh, it, it really is. And it is a, it is what's going to become a huge, I mean, it's, it's always, it's been a growing market, you know, for the last decade, the 3PL industry, but, you know, it's been spread over a few different, um, few different WMS systems and then a lot of companies have their own proprietary homegrown I can't tell you how many of those I've worked with and you know you get a company like NetSuite that is willing to stay with the trends to to listen to feedback to make the changes needed that's going to be huge uh 
I mean, it will be adopted quickly. And that's um, the application of it is, you know, right now there's, there's a lot of improvements that can be made. Yeah. I don't think we asked you this at the beginning, but in terms of warehouse space, I know this has nothing to do with NetSuite, but what kind of capacity do you guys have? I would imagine it's pretty massive. So, well, I mean, I wouldn't call it massive just yet, but give me a year. <laughs> uh, right now we've got 52,000 square feet that is, that is open, racked, and ready for, ready for anyone's inventory. Um, and we're, you know, we're really trying to focus on, you know, the small mid-market, um, you know, brands that, that are omni-channel or wanting to grow to omni-channel. Perhaps they started off selling, you know, through Facebook Marketplace, Instagram, which, you know, they have their own carts now. And I've seen some, some customers with a lot of volume, you know, moving through there. But, you know, you know, you know your operation cannot sustain or grow uh, at, at what it currently is. And you as the, as the CEO or, or, you know, vice president or COO, your time could be focused on actually, you know, strategically growing the company versus, you know, filling orders. So that's where... That's where we want to fit in. Yeah. And I will also volunteer our warehouse to any of those developers that want that WMS application. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You guys come on out. There'll be another episode. <laughs> we'll be picking orders. <laughs> Pretty wild. And so another question that we ask a lot of uh, the, the people that we've talked to in the past has to do around certifications. I noticed on your LinkedIn that you have a couple of, you have the NetSuite administrator certification, I believe. And then you've got some interesting, um, like the demand planning and, and the advanced inventory management certificates as well. What, do you, what are your thoughts on certification? Uh, you know, the certifications themselves just can't cover you know, what you really learn in, in going through, you know, the on-site implementation and, and seeing, you know, with any, with any business, you know, in any industry, but uh, it's more, you know, it's like, it's like getting a, a Microsoft office specialist certification. It's more kind of by the book. Here are the, here are the primary functions that you will need to be able to do setting up users, managing, you know, controls, reporting, stuff like that. But it's the uh, it's the off the wall request that you you end up in sweet answers for, you know. Yeah. But it's uh, I mean I, I do think they're great. They're very valuable for sure. And I would love to to get the uh, ERP. What is it, the consultant mm -hmm. next? But yep. you know that will have to occur later on. <laughs> <laughs> What are you guys' thoughts on the on them? Um, I'll let Eric take this one because I don't <laughs> have the certification, and you know uh, that's something that I would love to do. But you know, anyway, I'll let Eric take this. <laughs> yeah, I think we've we've talked about this on a, on a prior episode, but I I pretty much agree with you, Adam. It's not it's not like some stamp that you are a super expert in real world application of, of NetSuite necessarily. It's, yeah. it's like, it, it's, it's exactly what you said. It's you, okay. You understand sort of the very basics of, of NetSuite and 
you memorized where some things are in the UI <laughs> and a few other yeah. you know, fundamental <laughs> concepts. Yeah. Um, it does not in any way guarantee that you will be a successful developer or a or consultant or whichever certification you might be looking at. Um, Absolutely. But I don't know of any, like, any certification process anywhere. Like, my college degrees didn't make me a super successful <laughs> engineer automatically, right? Uh, because it's nothing like the real world at all. Uh, but it gives you a foundation to work from. And it's Absolutely. a little bit of a, a trust builder when, when your clients or potential clients have no have no concept of, of what's needed. It at least gives them a little bit of, of confidence and it's a little bit of trust building. Um, mm -hmm. It shouldn't be the only thing they look at by any means, but it should give them a little confidence. <laughs> yeah, and I've had some in the past, you know, that put such weight on, mm -hmm. on those you know, those type certifications, whether it be like the CSC, uh, CMP or, you know, Apex or whatever it may be, project right. management, change management now, whereas, you know, I, I, I'd, I'd rather see experience, you know, mm -hmm. as I'm getting into a hiring mode. But at the same time, I've seen several, you know, they go after, they go in and get a Deloitte or, you know, Accenture, you know, type like big four consulting company because they have the, you know, they have the credibility through those type certifications, you know, sure. but I've worked with plenty of those guys that also don't know what units of measure are <laughs> yeah, or how to apply them. So it's a, you know, can go either way, I suppose. So one of the questions I was going to ask you is, do you have any advice for, listeners that are interested in getting involved in NetSuite. And I think you've already kind of answered that, which is, if I understand you correctly, really know your clients. In your specific case, understand NetSuite WMS and warehouse management in general. Um, but is there any other advice that you would give to somebody? Like if somebody came to you and said, you know, I'd love to get involved in, in NetSuite and make a career of it. What, what advice would you give them? You know, that's a great question. And, and I do push every young person I, I meet that direction is I try and sell it as best I can, you know, but uh, because to me, it's, it's growing to the point where, you know, that's my focus is NetSuite and the WMS piece. But um, I, to answer your question, I would say, you know, kind of like what you guys uh, touched on earlier is that, you know, finding your, your niche or your specific process group that you're going to focus on and learn and become an expert in, it will truly pay off and it will take you less time uh, to, to kind of become an SME in that area on both the NetSuite and the operational side, you know, because they always say it's people, process, and technology and you can't, you can't, you know, take one of those out and the other two work. So you've really got to, you know, you've got to understand the process, you've got to understand the technology, and then you've got to be able to discern those from the people that you're dealing with, right? And then, uh, you know, apply a, res a resolution that they'll actually go after, you know? And um, I would, I, that would be my advice, you know, is to really learn and read up on trends in 
in the warehousing space in omnichannel fulfillment and then see you know what NetSuite is releasing to kind of you know to go along with those trends well, that's great advice specialize <laughs> yeah, yeah i think that really is a good way to just sum it up yeah and it's funny you know it took me 15 years to learn that because if you look at my at my job history on um on linkedin i started in dedicated transportation went to warehousing then got more into systems then went back to rider then you know i just wanted to learn it all but that's that's when you know the, the supply chain as a whole was still kind of integrating and developing you know as as like a a role within an organization you know you had you had trucking guys you had warehousing guys you had freight forwarding guys and they didn't talk they didn't know each other and they were typically at different locations you know mm -hmm. now they're all in the same person which is the supply chain manager <laughs> right so, yeah yeah i think when you look at a career like like yours, there's a, a somewhat of a common theme that runs through it. And I don't think that you could have actually gotten to the point that you're at right now had you not taken those steps along the way. You know, like mm -hmm. all that experience adds up to where you are today. So it's, it's really interesting to see that path that you've taken. So. Well, I appreciate that point of view. <laughs> so Eric, do you have any other questions or? I don't think so. I've checked everything off of my notes. Yeah. And Adam, is there anything else you want to cover? Uh, you know, what, what are you guys seeing as the, as the trending need or challenge from your, you know, your clients as they come to you, you know, on a daily, weekly, monthly basis, is there something that, that sticks out, you know, that, that most are requesting? Well, you know, my specialty at NetSuite is primarily all around integration and with systems that, like you mentioned earlier, you know, uh, it could be a warehouse management system, it could be, you know, a, a, some other sort of back end system that needs to integrate with NetSuite and it's not always clear how that integration should go. Mm -hmm. um, but that's what I'm continuing to see. Sometimes it's with custom systems, sometimes it's just, you know, off the shelf systems that they might be legacy or whatever. Um, there's a lot of e-commerce integrations that I'm seeing, you know, requests for, but generally the theme is, hey, we need to integrate X with NetSuite. And, you know, that's, uh, if it's something weird, that's usually when I get the call. Um, <laughs> so, and it's interesting, you know, cause I get to see the ins and outs of those other systems. It's especially interesting to see the ones that are custom some are surprisingly good and others, you know, yep. you cringe, but yep. at the end of the day, if it gets the job done, I guess that's okay. Yeah. And that's what a lot of those, those companies do is limp along until it doesn't get the job done. Right. And, uh, yeah. You don't fix it till it hurts. <laughs> exactly. Right. And for me, I, I'm in a little different position. I'm not, you know, I'm not, providing direct development services i'm helping companies i'm helping companies who provide development services right so my clients are a little different but for them it's more like how do we find good people to hire right a lot of senior level developers especially netsuite developers are already uh gainfully employed so how do yeah. we find skilled workers and how do we fight commoditization of our development, right? There's plenty of 
of work you can outsource. There, there's hundreds of firms ready to uh, write code by the hour um, in lower cost of living spaces. So how do you fight that commoditization and how do you grow your team? Those are the big trends that I'm seeing. That's very interesting. I guess specialization would be the one one answer, perhaps. Yeah. How do you prevent the commercialization? Exactly. Yes. <laughs> thank you for thank you for saying that. I say that all the time. How do you differentiate yourself? Uh, stop positioning yourself like everyone else is. <laughs> yep. Yep. I absolutely agree. Well, it sure has been a pleasure, guys. I really uh, I really enjoy speaking with you on on these topics because there's not too many people you can just have a net sweet discussion with you it's know true. i can't true. go home and talk to my wife about that <laughs> no no definitely not <laughs> you can you could try <laughs> I, I did try when we were dating we we're fairly new marriage but yeah it didn't work my wife would just be looking at her phone the whole time and i would not blame yeah. her one bit yeah I, she still doesn't know what i do so <laughs> I mean, now, now my title's a little more clear, but I mean, you know, Titus, I didn't have a title. Basically, we kind of made up one and, you know, it's been that way for a few years now. Sure. Yeah. But even the title doesn't often like accurately describe what it is that you're dealing with on a day-to-day -day basis, you know? Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, well, it's been a real pleasure having you. Thank you so much for taking the time today. Yes, thank you. Anytime, guys. And uh, hey, that warehouse, uh, that warehouse challenge is open to you. you know. Well, if people do want to get in touch about the warehouse challenge, how do they find <laughs> you? Uh, so my LinkedIn uh, is probably the best way. I've got my email and uh, cell phone number on there. So I'm Great. very accessible. <laughs> All right. We'll Extra call. Link to that in the show notes. Yeah. Cool. So before we wrap up every week, we try to come up with something cool that we found, whatever that means. It might be business related. It might not be. Um, and Adam, I think you said you actually had something that you wanted to share. Yes. Uh, so a side, a side business that kind of developed with my, my sons, we have, we have a Nerf blaster collection of, <laughs> over a hundred blasters right i already like this and yeah so i found this week i've been trying to find decent uh decent instruction on how to modify because you can now 3d print uh parts to these things you can modify them in some insane ways and i've got some classic uh models so i found a website nerfhaven.com which is all nerf nerds like us that are modifying tweaking uh, I mean, doing every type of modification <laughs> you could on on Nerf blasters, and um, I never knew it existed, but I found my community. I think found your people. <laughs> yes, that's great. Yeah, my son used to to try to do that. You know, I think people spray paint them. They do all kinds of things, and yeah. especially modify them to either shoot farther or harder than they would normally, and in some cases both. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Yep. Yeah, I'm still they, pick, yeah, I'm still picking up the little Nerf darts off of our lawn, you know, five years later after they would have little battles out there and <laughs> oh, run yeah. over with the lawnmower. 
Oh yeah. I mean, I just, I just started throwing them away after a while, but the rival balls are the worst. You will find those in places you didn't know they could even go. So, I mean, the, the little yellow balls, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Pretty wild. All right. Oh, well, yeah. we'll link to that. And, um, Eric, sure. do you have something? I know you said you were going to try to think I, of something. Yeah. I, this is not something I, uh, I'm excited about something. So I have, I ordered several books this week, um, trying to get them before Christmas. And I, being a developer, I have not surprisingly maybe paid a lot of attention to DHH, David Heinemeyer Hansen. Um, don't know who that is. It's the creator of Ruby on Rails, very popular web framework. And a very prolific author with his uh, co-founder, Jason Freed. They like to write about how we're all doing work incorrectly. (laughs) (laughs) Um, We're all, we've convinced ourselves that Gary Vee is right and we all need to work 20 hours every day or we don't want it enough. Uh, And they disagree. And I have not, and, and so I ordered one of their books this week called it doesn't have to be crazy at work uh and i'm very excited to to read that i've just started i didn't know how much i agreed with them <laughs> before i started paying attention to them in the last month or so um so i'm very excited to read their actual books yeah i think I'm you're looking forward to your clip notes <laughs> yeah yeah i think you're gonna enjoy that one i read rework by those guys, which yes. is I highly, highly recommend that to anyone, whether you're working in a company or you're working on your own or you're thinking of starting one. Um, it's just great advice and very easy to read. Yeah, we'll look forward to hearing back from you on that as you read it. I'm sure you will. <laughs> I will probably have lots to say about it. So my uh cool thing this week is my family and i over the past couple weeks have started to get back into playing games together and by that i'm talking actually sitting around a table playing board games um Mm. so we've been diving into that we've uh played a whole bunch of the ticket to ride games if anyone out there is familiar with that Uh, but this week i actually uh purchased and we've started to play everdell which was apparently really popular a few years ago. I guess it still is at great reviews, which is one of the reasons I kind of you know, gave it a shot. And it was a lot of fun to play. It's been a lot of fun to play. Uh, really just a beautiful uh, game in terms of the way it's packaged, the cards, the playing pieces. So if you're a gamer out there and you haven't already played that, I, you might want to take a look at it. Um, it's one of those games that, takes about an hour to play, I guess, depending on how many players are playing. But uh, anyway, we'll link to that in the show notes as well. All and right. I think that wraps it up. Cool. Yeah. Well, once again, Adam, thank you so much for joining us. It's a great conversation. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. And join us again next time for more Sweet Script Stories. Bye-bye.